don't you guys stand with me? Reading of God's Word. I know it's not bad, but it's still bad enough. This is Matthew chapter 23, uh, verses 5 through 7. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make the phylacteries wide and tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have men who call them rabbi. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would help us to be people who truly have a relationship with you, who truly love who you are. And live our lives in such a way that people see that, that it isn't a religion. It is this relationship of us knowing who you are. And that the things that you call us to sometimes are hard, but they are not heavy. Amen. Have a seat. We are starting a series called Woes. I, I was trying to get Mikey this week to come up with like a Keanu Reeves montage. So he could be like, here's a, whoa, whoa, whoa. Morpheus, whoa. You know, just, oh, it, it'd be great. We're going to come up with that one of these weeks, and I'm going to show it, because it's going to be funny. But YouTube doesn't... I can't believe YouTube doesn't have a montage of Keanu Reeves looking stupid. I, I don't get it. Anyway, so we're doing this here, it's, and it's not like, whoa, it's, it's whoa. Whoa is like a dire, extreme warning that Jesus gives. Now, the Bible is really interesting, because God kind of puts different flavors into it. As he goes, as he goes and he has men write these things, you have uh, one guy writes this way from this perspective, another guy writes this way from this perspective, and so you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and it's like, if you, go, if you and I go to a concert, and I really like the opening band, and you really like the main band, we're going to kind of write from different perspectives the same thing, but we're going to notice different things, right? So that's kind of how you know, the gospel kind of gets written. And so the things that we look at today in Matthew 23, you will also see in Luke. And we're going to look at that in the next couple of weeks and how those things kind of go together. We'll go back and forth, see how these things work. So you have, you know, sometimes some has more details than others, so it'll be good. Um, so this is, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. If you've got them. Yeah, he's got one. Love me, okay? That's how it works. All right. Matthew 23, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, Moses' seat is this place of authority. They get to speak from a place where people would listen to what they said. It's kind of like a judge in a court these days. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So some of the things they say are very, very good, but they're not doing the things that they're saying. And so what do they do? This is what they do. They tie up heavy loads. The word here for heavy loads is it, it is cumbersome. It's like a box that either could be light or heavy, but it's just kind of, you just can't get your arms around it just right and you're trying to carry something. It's like, you know, you're, a, you're like a dude and you're trying to carry this thing and, and you got your girlfriend or wife sitting there. You don't want to look weak or stupid. So you're like, oh, I got it. You know, and, and you just can't really, and you're like dropping it it's on your feet and you bruise your... Yes, fallen? Okay, that's what it's like. Heavy, that's what it's like. This heavy, cumbersome loads. And you put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so what he does is he gives a couple examples of how they do this. And we're going to cover these over the next few weeks. But go to verse 13. This is what he says. Woe to you, teachers in the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heavens in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who... Who are try, enter who are trying. This refers back to verse 4. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
Uh, to give you some background, flip to Matthew chapter 13. Okay? As you go there, the central claim that Jesus has here is heavy and burdensome. Heavy and burdensome. Uh, this, this is the words. I actually, I put it up here so you guys see it. Arus fortas dusbas tastas. Okay? Try and say that with me, okay? Barus, fortas, dus, bas, tas, tas. It means heavy and burdensome. It's that cumbersome look. Even the word, doesn't it just sound heavy? It's like, I'm glad we don't talk like that because we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. The image of someone is taking heavy loads and placing them on somebody else. Uh, my, my friend Brad had to move a fridge with some of his friends and they just strapped it to his back and told him to carry it up his, the stairs. He gets halfway up and boom, smash, down the stairs. I'm moving a desk one time, had like four of my friends with me, and I was just like, hey, take it up to my office. And and they did, and I didn't lift a finger to help them. I'm kind of like a Pharisee. (laughs) Yeah. See, this has all everything to do with the kingdom of God, though. It is coming all back to the kingdom of God, these heavy loads. It puts heavy loads so people can't find the kingdom of God, and this infuriates Jesus. It makes him very angry, because this is not the, the happy, airbrushed Jesus like the one that's on the Sterling shirt. This is the, the cranked up, the 10 Jesus that's just like ready to go to town. That's the Jesus that's here. He's angry. And so this woe is a dire, deep warning. You load people with barus, fortas, dus, bas, tastas. You load people down and you are not willing to help them. Now, why does this make Jesus upset? In Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44, this is Jesus' view of the kingdom. Okay? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When you see kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, it means the rule and the reign of God in people's lives, people living under who God is and who He calls us to live. And so it looks something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. For Jesus, the kingdom is like a treasure. It's something you want more than anything else in the world. It is a treasure. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, the treasure brings what? Joy. Okay? Not Bruce Fortas, Deus Bas Tostas. It brings joy. Okay? Joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The message is that the kingdom fills you with joy and you will do anything to get it. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom of God is like a man on a search for treasure. And when he finds the treasure, it's so great, you will sell everything you have just to get it. That is how great the kingdom is. And the kingdom, whether you find it, you stumble upon it, or find you, uh, you, you mine very deep and you get at it because that is how good and great the kingdom is. For Jesus, the fundamental premise of the kingdom of God is that when you find it, when it finds you, you do everything to be a part of it. Everything. So when the religious leaders come and they put these heavy burdens on people, all these rules, do this and this and this, it makes them furious because that is not what the kingdom of God is. Tracking with me? Good. Okay. His argument is that they have made it heavy. Heavy. Now, some people take this and they run the whole direction of like Oprah. And it's like, oh, it's whatever you want it to be. It's, you know, and, and that's not it either. We, take, we think, oh, well, if it's not heavy, it's really not anything to us. It's not that hard at all. But that's totally different. In John chapter 6, at the end of John chapter 6, if you have like a red letter Bible, it's all red because red means this is Jesus' words. All red. Jesus is just talking a lot. And what he does is he talks to the Jews about this idea of the Exodus and what the Exodus looked like and how they were in slavery and God brought them out of, like the end of the movie, The Prince of Egypt. There you go. Good Bible scholars y'all are. Prince of Egypt. Okay. End of the movie, The Prince of Egypt. They come out of of their slavery and bondage. They they go into uh, the desert and they wander around. 
in the wilderness. But God has led them out and into freedom. And so when Jesus says these words at the end of John chapter 6, they're thinking of the literal exodus. And Jesus is trying to point them to a new exodus, something that's new that calls us something greater and bigger. And as their ancestors are in the desert and they start grumbling, the people that Jesus is talking to in John chapter 6, they also says they start to grumble. The, the parallels are really striking if you like those things. And so they don't grasp the depth of what he's saying. And in John 6, 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The sayings of Jesus, the teachings of what he calls us to, is hard. But he is mad with the religious leaders because they have made it heavy. It is not heavy, but sometimes it is hard. Hard is diff- different than heavy. Sometimes his teaching is difficult, not Heavy. Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to go through a lot of stuff, and in the end you're going to be like, ah, I get it. It'll be great. Okay? Luke chapter 10, verse 38. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. Okay? Uh, Martha is kind of this lady. She has a large business of making knickknacks for her own home. Kind of, okay? uh, 1038. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations, the color-coordinated palette, the food, how much, where are they going to sit? Oh, there's cat hair. I've got to get that off the couch. I've got to vacuum the floor. All these things, okay, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Doesn't go and ask her sister. Goes, I'll I'll sick Jesus on you, okay? Martha, Martha. Kind of reminds you of the Brady Bunch, right? Martha, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. If Jesus repeats your name, it's usually not good. Okay. Uh, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from, here, from her. Jesus says, Martha, your life is out of control. You are out of control, and you don't have to be. You're stressed out. You have lost perspective. Jesus comes, and he wants to take a load off of Martha. A load off. And yet when he comes and speaks to her, he speaks hard words. He speaks words that are sometimes confrontive. Okay? Not heavy, but they can be confrontive. In Luke 5, turn to Luke 5. You're already in the book. You're doing good. The scene here is fishing. Okay? So Jesus is coming across some of his first disciples. Peter and his crew, they've been out fishing all night long. We know what that's like or not because I really don't like it. I don't have the patience. I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I've caught one fish in my entire life, and it was like a bluegill at Lopez because I went, boom, and I think I caught it like, and when I was pulling the hook back out of the water. And it's like, I'm like, I caught a fish. Okay. It's great. All right, so they're out fishing, and, and, this is, and this is like Peter's realm. He knows what he's doing. P- Peter is a fisherman. Okay, Luke uh, 5, starting in verse 4. And so Jesus gets done speaking. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night. And haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because Jesus is teaching, the whole crowd's watching, and when Jesus says, Okay, I just got a teaching, let down the nets, and if you don't, you're a little awkward, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, you know. So he speaks into Peter's own authority, says, Go put this out there. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Simon's realm of authority, this is not going to happen. I know this. And yet they go and do it, and what happens? They catch this large amount of fish. Jesus speaks into Peter's realm of authority. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, the expert fisherman, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He comes face to face with the kingdom of God, and his response 
is it exposes all the ways in which he falls short. All the ways. And his response is, go away from me. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. The kingdom of heaven is not heavy, but it can be hard, and it can be difficult, and it can be confrontive, and it can be deeply convicting of who we are. When you come face to face with the beauty and the compassion and you see your own frailty and sin, you know that you are not worthy. None of us are. And Jesus is furious with the religious leaders because they have made the message what? This is on. They have made the message what? Heavy and burdensome. That is why he is angry. And it is not heavy, but it can be hard and difficult and convicting, exposing our faults, and it can be confronted. But Jesus says the gospel takes loads off. The center of this is about removing burdens, not laying more on. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. This is great. If you don't know your Bible, you're going to be like, holy crap, what am I doing? <laughs> Hopefully one day, uh, if... <laughs> If I had all the money in the world, I would actually uh, buy Bibles for everybody in the room and I'd just say, turn to page 942. And you guys would be like, all right, this is the best church ever. <laughs> all right, this is Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Okay, this is, this is Paul and he's talking about a present reality, not something that's in the future, but something that's taking place now. Uh, 2.9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus shows you what God is like in flesh and blood. Jesus is God in flesh and blood. And you have been given fullness in Christ. The literal reading is you have been brought to fullness. Something in the core of your nature when you believe in Jesus changes dramatically. You become something new and something different. Who is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised and putting off the sinful nature, not with circumcision done by the hands of men, with circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, he raised him from the dead. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. The message is an announcement of the way things are. What Jesus has already done. It is not a message of flogging. You're so bad. You're so awful. Oh, you need to go and crawl up and down these steps on your knees and go visit the tombs of these people. And That's not the message. The message is something that this is what Jesus has done. A present reality. When you believe in Christ, this has been done for you now. You are alive. You were dead. You're alive again. You were separated. You are now restored. That's the message. The gospel is not an announcement of what you have done. It is an announcement of what God has done for you. It is about Jesus. Uh, Colossians 1.27, flip like one page that way. It says, I hear it turning. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that would be mostly us, the glorious riches of this mystery. This is like an over-the-top description of this mystery. This is a great, beautiful thing. Which, Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus living in us is a message of hope. It is about redemption. It is not about your failure, but it's about Jesus' fulfillment of God's requirements. If the message you speak to people about Jesus doesn't resound with hope, then Jesus is not in it. The message of Jesus at the core is about this whole thing about hope, this hope that he calls us to. It is, it is given to us, but the focus is designed to turn us around and focus us back on who Jesus is and this hope. And if you have that hope, it shapes how you see the world. It shapes how you see God. It shapes how you see Jesus. It shapes how you see other people. It is not who you have failed to be. It is about who Christ is revealed to be. Turn two pages that way. Colossians 3, verse 3. 
For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If you are hidden in Christ and God looks at you, who does he see? Jesus. That's who he sees. I mean, it's not a trick question. Okay, you're like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm... It's not about you being good enough or spiritual enough that you arrive somewhere. The insistence is that you have already arrived when you believe in Christ. The message is not seven ways to get to the next spiritual plateau. It's that through faith you are there. I mean, Christianity and religion at, at its worst is this whole thing about if you could just do this and if you could just, you know, be like this or climb the mountain or chant the mantra or sing the song or hand out tracts or eat bugs and dirt or read your Bible this many times during the day or you know, this many hours, then God will do blank. I mean, that's the worst that religion could ever be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The message is about what has already happened. That's the message. See, it is why this barus fortas, duspas, tas, tas, so infuriates Jesus, because that's not what it's about. It has no bearing on the kingdom of God. Jesus is upset with religious leaders because they weigh people down. They're like, oh, well, you don't pray enough, and you don't read enough, and you don't give enough, and you don't share enough, and you don't vote conservative enough, or, you know, whatever. You know, that is loading people down when people need to simply understand who they are and what God has called us to. Practically, as an example, I'm not getting sidetracked, okay? This is practically an example. Uh, Jesus often refers to in his teachings the least of these, the poor, the widows, stuff like that. And so we must come and we see that, and we've got to wrestle. What does that mean to us? What does that look like in the world in which we live and as a community and as a church and all of that? You know, today, there are over one billion people in the world that do not have clean drinking water. Half the children in the world don't have enough to eat. In the world today, one billion people live on less than a buck a day. Half of the world lives and survives on less than $2 a day. Fully half of the world lives in substandard housing. And you and I, we live in the United States of America, tiny fraction of the world, we're blessed beyond measure. Like, uh, anybody use toilet paper this week? Thanks. Two people raised their hand. That's great. If you guys don't have bodets, I don't want to be shaking your hand. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Okay? And, and if you don't really need it at all, you need to go see a doctor. Okay? Uh, toothpaste. Anybody use toothpaste to brush your teeth? Okay? Uh, anybody uh, drink water? Even now the tap in Santa Maria, it looks bad, you know, but it's, it's still, yeah, okay, you're not going to die from it usually in Santa Maria. Anybody get here in a car? Car have a heater? Car have air conditioning? Yeah. <laughs> that's, you live in a country that's full of freedom. I mean, you can think when I say these things, oh, am I supposed to feel guilty that I own a house or own a car or food? or something? Not at all. That is not at all. If, if that's what I was saying just to make you feel guilty, I would simply be weighing you down. I would simply be giving you bruise, fortas, deuce, bas, tas, tas. That's all I would be giving you. You're going to walk away just going, this is the coolest word ever. <laughs> I'd be just like those religious leaders. But, but, if the Spirit of God comes and He works on a person, He challenges them and confronts them with the unprecedented wealth that we do have. And the message, this message calls us to help the poor and to do something with our lives. That is something else entirely. See, if the message of Jesus is hard and makes us do hard things and challenges to take a place in the world seriously, then that is not a weight. That is actually the Spirit of God inviting us to new levels of freedom. Do you, do you see the difference in the two? 
God calls us. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's really this can be really hard, but it's not a weight. That's it is a it is a pathway to freedom. Jesus' weight is not heavy. I mean, Jesus never stops talking about the poor. Uh, in our society, I think it looks a little bit different because we got uh, a lot of poor who shouldn't really be poor. They're just lazy. And actually, the Bible teaches if you know they don't work, they shouldn't eat. And so, you know, some people we shouldn't be given to, but other people who are we should be trying to help out. Jesus' first message, I have been anointed to bring the good news to the poor. The Beatitudes start, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. When Jesus talks about his return, he frames it in the context of who is thirsty and who is naked and who is lonely. Jesus never stops talking about this downtrodden and the hopeless, and we shouldn't either because that message, when we take hold of that, frees us to be God's hands and feet in this world. And a lot of that message becomes the whole thing about awareness. That the kingdom of God that he calls us to, this treasure, is here, it is among us, it is, is he, what, what he calls us to live in. The first Christians got this, and they went around the kingdom that, that was there, and they, and they were explaining what this meant. It's like, are, are you aware of your worth in God? Are you aware of who he is? Are you aware of the gifts the creator has bestowed upon you? Or are you aware that your value is find, found in Christ? Are you aware of the significance in your life is not found in your weight or your looks or your income status and that you are loved simply because you're made in the image of God and that we are also called to love other people because they're made in the image of God. So you start with this awareness that God loves us, that Christ came for us and His body was broken for us to restore us to relationship with who He was. You don't have to earn His favor, but that favor has already been given to us. Uh, Open to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, you guys still turn. Okay. I, if, I, if I move this way, it kind of feeds back. So I got to... Oh, sounds great right here. <laughs> Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace. This is the word charis. It, it, it means gift. Uh, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. The writer says, you got to be clear. You've got to be clear. It is a gift. You wake up and the sun shines, that's a gift. Uh, you're, you're glad to be alive most days, that's a gift. You heard a good joke and you laugh, that's a gift. The music, music moves you, that is a gift. You worked hard and you got some stuff done, that's a gift. You came to Element and Aaron offended you, that's a gift. Okay? It's a gift. You have been saved by grace. By grace. For we are God's workmanship. The word there is poema, which is where we get a word poem from. Okay? You are God's handiwork. When someone says to you, you're a piece of work, you go, yes, I am. Okay? That's, what, that's what you say, because you are. You, for we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to just sit around, to watch Jerry Springer in the morning and Oprah in the afternoon, to eat ho-hos all day. You were creating Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, Paul is a Jew, and he writes these words. And the words, do good works, it's this whole idea of what's called the mitzvah. And what that literally means is it came to express any act of human kindness towards another person. The, the Hebrew commands to never forget the widow or the orphan or the poor. Uh, farmers would leave sections of their fields so the poor could go and work <laughs> and cut some stuff out so they could go and that they would eat. Uh, all these deeds done in redeeming the world. This could actually go all the way to uh, you burying someone who couldn't afford to bury themselves. That is how big the mitzvah was. Um, any act of human kindness comes down to this. And according to the teachings of Judaism, all moral laws are derived from this commandment. And so 
We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That God prepared some things for you and I to do before the world was ever created. That we would be His hands and feet. And sometimes that is difficult. And sometimes it is hard. And sometimes it is challenging. But it is never heavy. It is never, ever heavy. He calls us to do good deeds and repair the world. This gift of Christ, it comes and it takes burdens off of you and I. Because God has this gift and it's new life and it heals and repairs. And so we're about healing and repairing brokenness because God calls us to. You know, to put flesh and blood on this grace that we have received just like God took on flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. Same thing. And as we go out to work and act in the world, sometimes we can get discouraged because it is hard. Sometimes we can get prideful and begin to think how good we're doing. And at that point, that needs to be exposed in us. And so we're refocused. You know, everything has been done for us. Everything. And we are simply acting out what has been done for us in kind. That's what we do. This freedom releases us from heavy loads so we can learn how to live and serve in humility. And sometimes you and I need a boot in the butt to get moving. And those are hard words. And so let's go. It's hard. It is exposing. It is confrontive. And you have been given gifts of energy and talent and wealth and life. We need to get moving. We need to show the world who Jesus is. And we get fuzzy and lose sight. We've got to go back to the freedom we already have in Christ. The kingdom of God. That is not heavy. But it calls us to such places of depth that we can never imagine. Um, I mean, I I don't want you guys to get discouraged like, oh, I'm not doing anything at all. Okay, well... You know, maybe you're busy or so poor you can't give your time or your money or energy. Don't get discouraged because God is inviting you this morning to take the burdens off. Take the burdens off. I mean, it's like I got this truck. I, I had a truck a while ago, sold it, and then I'm like, I can't live without that truck, so I bought another truck. Trucks are great. Dudes like trucks. So uh, I got these tie-downs. A tie-down, I have these ratcheting tie-downs in the back of my truck. When you put some in the back of a truck and you don't want it to fly out and hit another car, okay, you, you tie them down. And so these tie-downs, they ratchet. They go click, 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 and they tighten as you ratchet them. And so it's like click, tighter, tighter, tighter. And I, and I think for you and I, I'm trying to give you this mental picture that God is simply inviting you day after day after day to the next click. What is the next? Just, it's not, you know, you're not supposed to go from like crack hoe to Bible study leader in one day. It, it doesn't happen. Okay? Aaron offended me twice. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, okay? It's, it's the next click. The next click. You know, what is that? What is that next click? Where do you go? I mean, maybe, you know, today is your click. One click at a time. Some, some of you, the next click may be getting through your day, you know, without thinking thought, thoughts of suicide or needing another drink or needing to pop some pill. You know, today is your click. Just today, click. Okay? You know, maybe some of you guys have too much free time on your hands. You have carpal tunnel from too much Xbox, okay? Today's your click, okay? Shut it off. Go do something. Not that it's bad. I love video games, okay? I'm really bad at Halo 3. I'm cannon fodder, but that's okay. okay? Your life and your time is supposed to be God's poem to the world. And so maybe some of you guys need a kick in the pants, and that's your click. Kick in the pants. Get up. Get going. Help someone. Because while the message of Christ is not heavy, it can be confronted. So get off your butt and do something. You are free. The freedom to do something beautiful with your life. And so today, you're invited to lay down your heavy burdens. Lay them down at Jesus' feet. And our great God and Savior 
will come and speak words of healing and forgiveness and love. And sometimes that's confrontive and hard and leads you to new life, where you need to be. He invites all of us to share that life with him, no matter where we're at on that journey. And Jesus is a God that lifts a finger to help. He doesn't just go, ah, go into he, he gives us his strength to do these things. So if you feel weighted and burdened, leave him today. Leave him and walk into freedom and listen to Christ's words that sometimes can be hard and confrontive and exposing and learn to live how you've been called to live. The band's going to come up. And we're going to worship God a little bit. We worship God in every way in our lives. This morning, we're going to do that through taking communion. Communion represents Christ's body, which is broken for us. And as you come up and you break the cracker, it's like Christ's body that was broken for us. You're going to dip it either in uh, juice or wine, depending on where your convictions lie. Okay? And you're going to remember what Christ did for us and how he wants to live in and through us. We're going to worship God through songs. And so you're invited to sing. We're going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes in the side wall and in the back of the room. Uh, we're going to worship God through prayer. prayer. There's a couple of elders in the back of the room. If you need prayer, you can go and talk to them and get prayer. We're going to worship God also through fellowship. When we're done, we're going to stack all the chairs. You guys can hang out for a while, help build a stage, watch people build a stage, uh, <laughs> uh, watch people paint a room or go help paint a room and stuff like that. Jesus calls us to something that is great and deep and wonderful. And if you have not experienced that or found that, today's your day. Get the click. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we as your people sit in this room and, and we thank you that we don't live under this Baruch Fortas, Deus Bas Tas Tas. God, but we love, live under this freedom that you have given us, this love that you have shared with us. And God, we thank you for the words that are sometimes very hard and very deep and very convicting and very exposing. And I ask when we hear those words, we don't think of how heavy they are. We think of how hard they are. And we are willing to do what you've called us to do. We're willing to live as you've called us to live. God, you are mighty and your power is great. And I thank you that you can save and love even people like us. Amen.